Yo mates, Cheeky Volley, episode 22, Australian Open recap. I was trying to lead the way. We needed a leader, someone to lead the way to safety. What up, Asher? What's up, mate? All right, lot to discuss today. Before we do it, Seinfeld, season five, episode 22, we're watching The Fire, an all-time classic, some of George's greatest hits, all in one episode. All right. <laughs> Australian Open. Asher, break it down. There was a lot at stake in this match. The 11th time they played, how'd it go? Yeah, so uh, going into the final, I think everyone kind of just assumed Novak was going to win. But their head-to-head sort of team, team's done quite well. I think he won four of the last five, although most of them have, have been on clay. He beat him in the ATP finals, though. Which was which was a big thing. I think the ATP finals in general was like a coming out party for team on hard courts. I don't think he's ever done that well against that many good players, like beating Federer and Djokovic, getting to the final, almost winning. So I think even even like most people thought Novak was was a big favorite. I, I definitely thought team had a great chance. I thought I thought if I think he he is quite a like a, a wild player. So I thought if if Novak if his serve dipped below sort of its uh, the the level that it's been at. The whole tournament, I thought. I thought team had a chance, and that's kind of how the match played out. Um, first set, uh, quite close. Um, they break each other once each. Team gets a bit loose in his in the final game of the set. Throws in a double fault. Throws in a forehand error. Novak takes it, and then the second and third sets, Novak serve went um, completely a wall. So I think he's been serving around seventy percent the tournament. In the second set, he was at sixty two. Um, team team takes that. Is looking pretty strong. Then in the third set, Novak kind of his serve falls off a complete cliff face. He, he served at forty six percent. He's sort of mentally losing it. He's he started spraying balls. He's starting tapping the umpire on the on the foot. Yeah, so congrats, it, bro. You you want to become a star? He did. So after that, after the two consecutive time violations, where he that basically resulted in him losing that second set, almost like he threw it away. He lost yeah. what six games in a row, including that game. And his second serve speed dropped from, I think, 105 to 95, which is a pretty significant drop. Yeah, double false uh, first serve speed, I think, was also was also slow. It just it just it was just weird to see. I've I've, I've sort of rarely seen something like that before. Like normally it's from Sasha Zverev, but from <laughs> yeah. Novak, I haven't really seen that. His legs just disappeared as well. Yeah, and then he called the doctor. Um, it, it was all all, all very strange. But then, like he did against Federer and Wimbledon, he kind of focused again after after the set after set three. Set four was very close, and then he he breaks Sasha near the end, um, takes a tight one there, breaks him early in the fifth. Sasha did get break points um, in in the, in the in the game after he got broken, and then I think he got to thirty a couple of times. But no, Novak definitely elevated his serve sets four and five, served over seventy percent in both of them. And then it was it was close. Like team, it, it wasn't like Novak ran away with it or anything in, in sets four or five. Like it was it was very close. But he is um, he he just he just came through. He he definitely elevated his level and uh, he he got it done. Mentally, uh, as soon as the fourth set started, I think it was so clear he was not losing that. You could just tell he he he, he regained his confidence. He had this unreal focus. Really sure of himself. Started hitting, but a lot less margin. Yeah, um, but in, in in actually like a realistic way, right? When it, when he just completely gets into form. Yeah, he 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 was definitely he was definitely locked in. I think, 
I think even though he he sort of even though you're right in that he sort of kind of said to himself, "I'm not I'm not losing this game. It's time to time to focus now." I I still think that it's a it's a very risky strategy when you just throw away a set like he did against uh, like he did in the third set. He did the right. same to Federer. He threw away sets two and four. Um, that that ended up almost proving costly. Like he, he like Federer, if he just hits a forehand like a, a foot close to the line, or Novak hits it like that, that, that's lost. I think in this match against a guy like Team who has the ability to hit through the court, especially on the on the slow surface that we we've, we've talked about um, for a while the last couple of years, um, it's it's very risky play just giving away a set. And and Team could have easily just caught fire in one of the games on Novak's serve and just uh, taken the match. Um, but yeah, credit to Novak, but um, credit to team as well. The way he played um, in the in the well throughout throughout each of the sets and throughout maybe, the the tournament as well. Maybe credit to the umpire as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. I feel like Joker. Um, Joker being very risky, tapping the umpire on the foot three times. Yeah, I, did he? He didn't get a, a violation for that, did he? He as didn't. In, is it is is there a violation for, uh, for any of the listeners? If if you can find out if there's a violation for tapping the umpire's foot, I've never seen that before. <laughs> oh, what, what what is that? We we know like audible obscenity. We know unsportsmanlike conduct. Um, tapping the <laughs> tapping the foot. Yeah, it was it was questionable. Um, all right, when when Joker was down two sets to one, did you have any doubt he wasn't going to win the match, even though he was down? Uh, yes. <laughs> Um, and I, I still would have placed money on him winning. The only way yeah, I, mean, I, I still stand by what I said earlier. The only way team could have won that match was in three or in four. Fifth set, uh, I think Joker's just too yeah, the, tough to beat. After after the third set, the betting markets kind of had it at fifty fifty. Um, but with, with Joker, um, as in we we do remember a lot of the times he's been mentally really tough, but. In his history, there there have been like lots of times in which he's he's kind of mentally given up as well. Yeah. Um, so like obviously injuries aside, um, like separately from like the the Wawrinka game of the U.S. Open where he pulled out, he he has had moments in. Yeah. I think just where, kind of near the ends of matches, he kind of just loses it. I think 2014 French Open, he kind of threw it away a bit at the end. 2013 French Open. He kind of lost it. 20, 2013 U.S. Open, he he lost that at the end. 2010 U.S. Open, although that was before he he sort of that was pre-gluten Novak. But 2010 U.S. I Open, think that, I think, was also when he was just happy to be there. He was happy to be. Yeah, there. yeah, he was exactly, laughing, exactly. dancing, yeah, yeah. looking around, kind of starstruck. Yeah, I think I think in the the pre-gluten Novak was uh, that that happened a lot. So like kind of losing like the fourth set, uh, like going down two one, losing the fourth set six two. Or losing the fifth set six two after being two one up and then losing the fourth set that used to happen a lot. I think against Songa in the Australian Open two thousand ten that happened. Um, Post gluten, it's it's happened less, but it it has happened. So I'm always kind of thinking that this is possible with him. So if it was like in the Federer Wimbledon match, I was I was thinking if Federer wins the third set, there's like Novak's gonna gonna yeah. give this up. So I'm always thinking that, but then at the same time, he he has shown. Uh, that he's able to sort of pull through really tough situations as well. All right. Before we talk about a few of the other main stories of the tournament, can we briefly talk about how team's game has changed on hard courts? For me, his breakthrough was 2018 U.S. Open quarterfinal against Nadal, won the yeah. first set six love. Yeah. Possibly one of the best matches of the last couple of years. Long five-setter. 
really showed that I think that was that that was the match where he he started to believe too that he could be a good, a good hardcore player started serving much bigger started serving mm. ladders uh, standing more in the court, less of those spinny balls. I think the year before when he lost that dramatic, really odd five-setter to Del Potro when Del Potro was ill for the first two sets, in the mm. fourth the fifth set, he was hitting these spinny balls that were just sitting up. Del Potro could hit through them. It seemed like in 2018, he started to actually hit through the hard court more. Yeah. 2019, he wins Indian Wells, gets to the final of London, and now 2020 gets Australian Open final. Is it just a continuation of what he's been doing, or is there something else he's doing even beyond that that's making him so successful on the hard court? No, I think I think you've got it. I think um, just hitting hitting through the court more. I think the the confidence as well. So after after he took Rafa to five in that match, he then he won win Indian Wells against Federer in in the spring spring last year. I think he's just he's just built upon that. I think he was injured at the U.S. Open last year, so he ended up losing in round one, right? To um, Fabiano, I believe. Yeah, but he he came back strong at the at the ATP finals. He's um, yeah, he's he's kind of found like a a decent balance between sort of just just trying to whack it through the court and also um, being consistent. Because I mean, you still find him him sort of going a bit crazy over a few games, and that that can cost him sometimes. Like it it almost cost him against Sasha. Um, he's, he sort of, it almost cost him against Rafi. He, he's kind of doing well. Like he's getting the balance just right. And I think aside from that, the fact that the, when, when the hard courts are slower, that definitely suits him because mm-hmm. with, with his game is, is basically the, um, is the antithesis of the Federer game in which you're, you're taking everything early, everything kind of on the rise, yeah. trying to hurry, hurry the opponent. He wants to stay back and just swing as hard as he can of both sides so if you think of like Vavinka in in between those two, you you get you, then you get Federer at one end and then Team at the other, and he's just taking huge cuts, just like deep cuts, <laughs> deep cuts um, and with margin. Whereas you have Rublev hitting yeah. deep cuts with zero margin. And um, yeah, and I think on the slow court he has time to to take the deep cuts, but then also the power to hit through, which which other guys don't. So I think I think just the. Um, as as you said, sort of just changing the game slightly, getting more confidence, and then using the the surface and the conditions to his advantage. All right, on to other stories of the tournament. The best one, or the most interesting one, we need to we need to get to the bottom of is Kyrgios. Yeah. So he started the year having a pretty amazing ATP Cup. We all questioned whether that was something we could uh, take confidence in or if, or if it's just a oh, team environment, that's what he thrives on. But it seems, it seems like started the tournament being pretty inspired and won the matches he should have, I think in pretty good form. First couple rounds played it all in the fourth round. Uh, Ash, was it the exact same score line as the Wimbledon match? <laughs> yeah, ex- well, exactly. Six, three, the same. Three, six, seven, six, seven, six. Yeah. Okay. Although it was, it was it was less heated than the than the Wimbledon one. Yeah. So in in this match, and Alex and I were speaking about this as well. You almost feel, uh, I feel in the match that even when he wins, even when he won the second set and he goes deep in the third set, approaching the tiebreaker, still feel like he's destined to lose. Right. You don't have confidence in him actually winning the clutch, you know, important key points like in a tiebreak, not making errors to start each one and going down mini breaks. Right. This seems destined to lose those matches against Nadal. 
Yeah, it was it, it was very impressive in how sort of serious he was uh, throughout the match, throughout the tournament. I think the, the bushfire really helped him. I, I don't know if his sort of attitude towards life, as he said, was improving before the bushfires, but certainly after he's, he's kind of come across as a different person. The, the, but, the win against Hachinov had to be, I think, the best of his career. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In, in incredible match. Like, what was it, 10-8 in the fifth set tiebreak? Yeah. And he had match points in sets three and four, and then to, to mentally come through that and to hang in there, um, yeah, huge, huge effort. But in the in the Nadal match, it, it kind of always feels that he's um, he's kind of in the moment and in enjoying the fact that the crowd is enjoying his performance and how close the match is. But and it, it was very impressive how he he broke back in, in the fourth set and and hung in there even though he was he was physically. So struggling there, um, but it just it just always feels to me that he's he's just enjoying the crowd, enjoying him as okay. opposed to just focus focusing on yeah, on sort of winning the matches. But that, that also might just be like his game, his game style. Um, like he he as in there there was a moment at five five in the um, in the sec in the third set tiebreak, like pivotal moment of the match, and he he went for a second serve ace. I don't know if he like mathematically. I think it's the right play because he's he's making his first serve enough of the time, and he's winning so many points on the first serve that to make that the correct play. I I just don't know if he was like big moment here. Let's just let's just do something that the crowd's gonna go nuts with. Yeah. Okay. So Kyrgios is 24. After this tournament, he improved his ranking six spots. He's now 20 in the world. Where is he gonna end at the year? At the end of the year? Um, imp- impossible to say. Um, I, I hope I hope he he joins below the top thirty eight, I think. or above fifteen. It's one of the two. There's I think about I think I would say above fifteen. Above fifteen. Okay. I'm I'm hoping he joins. Like um like we we talked a bit about this is that like the men's tour is looking pretty good. You have seven guys who who can all beat each other now. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping he 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 becomes the eighth because he's he's super exciting to watch. All right. I want to get back to that in a minute, but before that. For me, obviously, the, the story of this tournament is Federer reaching the semifinals <laughs> in pretty dramatic fashion. Five-setter that, honestly, he had no right winning <laughs> against Millman. He did. Uh, yeah, well, well, he he should have won in four. And then when he went to four. the fifth, he was a breakdown in the fifth. And then he was 8-4 down in the tie break. Yeah, he had no, he he had no business winning in that game stage. Really well. He was down 8-4 in that champion tie break in the fifth set. Did tighten up his game, still questionable. Fourth round, beats Fuksovics, four sets, looked good. Quarterfinal, highly dramatic match against Sangren. Semifinal, I think even Joker admitted Federer really wasn't in a position to play. I think we all know he's too respectful to retire, but pretty impressive performance. A win is a win at 38 mm-hmm. years old, getting to the semi of the slam. What do we think? Even was- though it, it, it was the, the easiest draw, I think, <laughs> that I've yeah, ever he, seen. <laughs> he didn't start the tournament with, with a, a pretty pretty good draw, right? Given that he would reach the semi. But uh, look how it played out. But all right, so... I think the- he, did, he, did, he did as well as he could have. Um, I, th- I think, like, Millman, as in he beat him in the US Open, I think... Well, when I, when I say he did it was as well as he could have, the, given the, the conditions, which we were playing extremely slow this year, even slower than last year. I think aside from the, the balls, um, it, was, it, was, it was colder a lot for, for a lot of the games. And that that's slowed down everything as well. And I think he's, he's just not going to stand like five feet behind the baseline and just rally. And 
his balls don't sort of jump up either. So like people who take like flat cuts at the ball, they, they can really penetrate him, especially on the on the forehand side. I think that's what Milman was doing throughout the match, just like forehand, just penetrating, penetrating. Um, he survived that match. I think the Sandgren match, he, he was just clearly physically compromised uh, from, from the second second and third sets. Um, Sandgren played well as well. Uh, I, I don't know how he, got out, how he got out of that either, seven match points, but hopefully he hasn't done any long-term damage. I think given the way that the courts are playing in Australia and then given how he struggles physically by the US Open, I think the last three years he's... He's gone out of that tournament in sort of physically not 100% shape. I think he just needs to sort of manage his season around Wimbledon. Um, I think he can still win Wimbledon, but he just needs to make sure he's he's healthy for that that grass that grass stretch. Well, would you agree that it does seem that a lot of players that are challenging Federer are taking him to four sets, five sets, beating him? Looks like the strategy is almost to attack his forehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I agree with that deep fast forehands push him into the corner team bullying him into the forehand corner mm. you know, even with this bigger racket he's able to block back backhands all day slices it backhands aren't really breaking down forehand when it breaks down it's a disaster yeah i think on the backhand it's it's easier to flat flatten it out so if if people are just if they're like attacking it he can sort of redirect it a bit easier just deflect it or just hit it back cross court on on the forehand if he's getting into rallies, he just doesn't have enough uh, enough on the ball. Like it, it's not heavy. Uh, if it's yeah. coming heavy at him, he's not heavy, hitting it with the same amount of of weight back, right? And then it just is is always in the sweet spot for the guys who want to like crush their forehand. So I I think that's definitely the, the the strategy as as you said is definitely been uh, attacking that forehand. And to be honest, now I think he probably prefers playing Nadal, which is <laughs> which is amazing because yeah. Nadal Nadal's ball is really not jumping as high to his backhand anymore. Mm-hmm. And his Nadal's backhand isn't giving Federer's forehand that that much pressure. So yeah, in terms in terms of comfort, uh, it's it's amazing how his his career has changed like that. In 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 that now he he probably prefers playing Nadal. All right, a lot of hedging going on. I think you <laughs> ended up maybe Brett ended a few pounds down. You ended up pretty significant. What does this say about the efforts for Asher to get the Rolex? As in. On Friday, the ro- the like there was there was severe Rolex potential, like <laughs> to be bought to be bought today. So uh, dramatic dramatic betting tournament. Um, so we 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 always make fun of Sasha. Um, I had him losing and, in the third round. <laughs> <laughs> we normally have him losing in the first round. I think in Wimbledon we we said he was going to lose to Vesely in the first round. He did. Oh, was a brilliant in the U.S. Call. O- in the U.S. Open, we said he's going to lose like second round. I think he goes taken to five sets twice, and then he just lost in four in the third round. In this one, we thought Casper Ruud was going to take him out in the second, but Casper Ruud ended up losing himself. So <laughs> we, we 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 haven't really backed Sasha uh, historically, but after round three, I saw I, saw, I was just watching him. But I saw him, he's he's winning in straight sets easily, he's serving unbelievable. So I thought this this is a different guy. Um, so at that, at that and I and I think no one no one was talking about him. So he had no pressure. And before the tournament, he he said that if he wins, he's going to donate his whole check to uh, the bushfire relief. So I think he the crowd was favoring him. He said himself he had no expectations for this tournament after losing all three of his matches in the ATP Cup. Not only did he lose all three, but he lost three matches and he hit thirty four double faults. Yeah, thirty four double faults and thirty four service games, which is uh, unreal. Um, so. 
I see him winning straight sets first three games. At this point, I, I just think that no one's talking about him. His his odds um, are like way too way too high. So I bet on him to beat Rublev in straight sets. I'd seen them play in Shanghai, um, and he he's so Rublev. Rublev he just he just couldn't penetrate him at all, and the conditions were pretty slow. So I thought he was going to win comfortably. He he does win that in straight sets. I, I also put like some money on him winning the tournament at like 60 to one. So he gets through that. I put some more on him winning at like 30 to one. So eventually I've got like, a, I think average like 40 at 40 to one. I've got, a, I've got a hundred pounds on, on Sasha. So I, I'm winning 4,000. I put some money on him beating Vavinka. He wins. <laughs> he, he, he gets into the semis. He's, he's serving unbelievable, like serving close to 80%. He plays, uh, he plays team. I think, I think I thought that was a 50, 50 match. Um, I wasn't sure who was going to win, but the um, the price for Sasha was such that the markets had him at only 33%, so I backed him again. Um, he had set points in the third set. That I was cringing when he, <laughs> when team just came up with two great winners and then team wins two great tie breaks. Um, so yeah, the the Rolex dream is dead till uh, till the French Open, but it was it was definitely the closest uh, the definitely the closest <laughs> run to the, the Rolex closest. for sure. I think Brett Brett had a had a dramatic tournament in which he he was winning a lot early, and then there was an inflection point where I backed Sasha against Vavinka, and he backed Vavinka, and then then his tournament took a a steep uh, steep dive off a off a cliff face there. <laughs> you know, before the tournament started, when we did our preview, I think I was the only one that called Warenka beating yeah. Med. Yeah, you, you you had like a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of calls that came came yeah, out right. I think I had some good takes. <laughs> Warinka, I don't know what happened in that match. He looked great the first set. Looked like this was possibly going to be a straight set match. He played a sloppy game in the second set. Immediately lost his serve. Third set, again, very sloppy game. Loses serve. Loses in the next consecutive sets. Now he's pulled out of two tournaments with an injury. Yeah, uh, he, we know he, he, I think what's going on? Medvedev, well, Seppi took him to five sets in round two, then Medvedev um, took him to a punishing five sets in, in yeah. round uh, round three, round four. I think that, that probably took too much out of him. Okay. So this is something we've been speaking about for a year. We spoke about it before the tournament, and the tournament really has proved your point specifically. Can you talk a little bit about what this draw of the Australian Open and the matches, the results, the momentum swings, the stakes, what it says about the level of play right now on the tour. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really happy about what's sort of happened to the tour in the last uh, six months because we had we had three years in which it was only like Rafa, Novak, Roger winning every single major, not really being threatened at all. But in the in the last six months, we we kind of have seven guys now. I think sort of apart from those three, where you had Sitsipas, he he came through, won won the finals. Uh, he's beaten all three of them last year. Uh, team, of course, like second best player in clay, on clay after Rafa, um, but also beat Federer, Rafa, and Novak last year in, in different tournaments, although in our Grand Slams. Um, Medvedev, incredible year, incredible uh, U.S. swing, sort of beat beat Novak, didn't beat Rafa. Was five one up against him in, in the deciding set in London, but <laughs> couldn't see like that. Amazing match in the U.S. Open, though. Um, and I think Sasha, hopefully, he's he's joined them as well because like he he's I think he's he's definitely accomplished more than th- those guys in his career so far. If you before team reaching the um, 
excluding teams finals because he I think teams only won one Masters but Sasha's won three Masters and he's won a final so in terms of titles he's definitely accomplished more um, he's beaten all, all three of the guys uh, some pretty convincing wins as well um, so yeah hopefully if he can maintain this level he and he joins and he joins those three guys at the top I think you've got a situation which every single quarterfinal at a Grand Slam is going to be quite exciting because yeah. all of these all of these guys can beat each other now even the fourth round, I think. Yeah, yeah. You 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 got you have your like Stan. You you got Stan Stan in there in the fourth round. Um, Kachanov. Yeah, Kachanov. Um, hopefully, he doesn't take the Kyrgios loss too too badly. But yeah, but yeah, you 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 got a few few of these players. Shop shop Shapo. Uh, if the surface is is okay. Um, right. But but yeah, like the I think I think the I think there's gonna be it's it's gonna be a a pretty interesting year. I think we might have a new world number one at the end of the year. Oh, interesting. Okay. Now, if you yeah. had to say right now, who would it be? So you're saying a new number one outside of Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. Yeah. Bobby Bacala. <laughs> David Goffin. David Goffin. No, I don't think so. No, I think it's uh, it's hard I, to say. I think if he, I, I, if I think he, Goffin, if he had a great clay court season. I think Goffin gets the finals of a Masters this year. Also, shout out Tennis Sandgren. Absolute legend. Yeah, uh, making tennis great again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, now for the classic cheeky volley conversation. What did Sunday's match say about Djokovic as the goat, and why um, is the crowd still so anti-Djokovic? As I, I remember when we actually had the the goat discussion podcast like more than a year ago. I, I kind of put also, forward the argument for Novak. Is that podcast which which episode is better, that one or Grigor Part Two? <laughs> Definitely Grigor Part Two. <laughs> okay, sorry. Continue. Um, so yeah, I, I think I kind of made the argument for Novak in that podcast. I, I think Roger is the goat, but I think the argument for Novak is just is just it's mainly a mathematical one, right? So if if you kind of had these three guys going up against each other in I think Novak probably finishes the year and and number one. I think obviously the more the more majors he wins, the the more his candidacy uh, improves because that that seems to be the main criteria that people use. But I, th- but for me personally now, my my views on the goat uh, have changed. I think like you you can't quantify a lot of it, right? So if we if we talk about Novak being the best of this this toughest era, well then this era is like has suited Novak the most by far in terms of sort of just being the slow era, right? So in terms of surface speeds, uh, court conditions, I mean, the slow hard courts suit him to a T. This is and, a very, he, con- this is a very uh, constructivist line of reasoning. <laughs> and, uh, and he's, he, he's, he's done the best on, on, in conditions that favor him the most. I mean, we, as in, or, or, like he, he was having mental problems in 2017, 2018, and Ro- when Roger won the, the Aussie Open, but the, the courts were much quicker then. And, and then he ended up losing one match to Istamin, once to Hyun Chung. Uh, but these slow, medium pace, hard courts, he's, he's almost like Rafa on the, at Roland Garros, right? It's so hard to beat. So yeah, so that, that's one thing that I, I've been thinking about is that if, if we're talking about greatest of all time, we, we need to take into account that this error is heavily favored him, right? As in, he's, as in, if you look at his performance on the faster surfaces, like Dubai, Cincinnati, he's, he's only won like one Dubai, one Cincinnati. Um, he generally, he has, he has a very strong losing record to Federer on, on those surfaces. Um, 
I think if you put him in like the 90s or the fast era, um, does he do as well? Or the 80s even? I, I don't think so. I think Roger does just as well. I think even yeah. Rafa, Rafa has the mentality and the and the type of sort of just spirit that transcends eras as well. Like he, he could easily do what Bjorn Borg did in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sort of just ad- adapt his game. So, yeah, uh, I I don't th- I think Novak's game is is heavily sort of the success of his game rather is heavily contingent on on the surfaces that that he's playing on. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I think to me, even if he gets to twenty three, gets past Roger by three, I, I I'll struggle to to put him as the goat just just based on on these on these reasons. I think. I think the the more he gets past Roger, sort of the the better his candidacy does become. Um, obviously, we'll need to reevaluate. Like if if he just if he just dominates and ends up world number one in another three years, like his, 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 he does have years to in which his his he can improve his career to the point where the transcending era's argument sort of is uh, is diminished. But until he gets to that point, like if he ends up on twenty one and Roger and Rafa on twenty and nineteen, I, I would still take. Both of those guys ahead of him. Strong take. Strong, strong <laughs> take. Definitely definitely need to do another GOAT episode. I think for that one, uh, we'll get Grigor to join as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, yeah we, I think we'll, we'll get Novak to join as well. We'll ask him how, uh, how Roger and uh, Rafa are doing. <laughs> yeah, which is what I wanted to ask you. So <laughs> how tired is Djokovic after matches being asked questions like, Novak, how important has Roger been in your career? He beats Federer in the semifinal, and Jim Courier has to ask him, tell us, how do you feel about Roger? <laughs> well, it's it's funny, because I think everyone knows that the crowd supporting Roger and Rafa way more than him deeply <laughs> affects them, like deeply. Um, so it, it's, it's definitely killing him every, every single time. I, I don't know if he's, if it hurts him any less, but I think he... Uh, <laughs> It's uh, he's he's definitely feeling it. All right, Asher. Last question: How important is Federer to you? <laughs> um, I don't. I I won't be able to say until he's gone. <laughs> That'll be uh, our podcast might uh, might go dark when that happens. Yeah, hopefully his uh, his body holds up. We can get a couple more years out of him. Let's see. He did say in his post Sandgren match uh, press conference, no plans to retire yet. So let's see what happens. Yeah. All right, mate. Strong episode. Covered a lot. Pretty excited about this year. This is gonna be. This is gonna be a very, very exciting year. This is the year yeah, we, we've been waiting for for three years. Yeah, we we, we have finally there. Very, very strong stuff in the pipeline. Nothing can be taken for granted anymore. There's no such thing as an easy draw. No. Even. I think even on the red clay. Let's see what happens. We have a couple months before that, but this is going to be a pretty sick year. Yeah, we, we ho- hope we, we'll come back to you in a, before then with some uh, cheeky guests, maybe, yeah. which we've been <laughs> Good content, good guests coming up. All right, mates, Cheeky Volley, episode 22, Asher. Pretty amazing takes today. Until next time. See you, mate.